Thanks for taking the time to listen to these recordings of our Sunday morning sermons. The Door Church is one church in two locations on mission to see lives restored with the gospel for God's glory, and we'd love to have you join us. To learn more about our gatherings in Louisville and Argyle, Texas, visit our website at thedoorchurch.net. Now, let's worship God by opening His Word. Amen. I always like our intro videos. Uh, Garrett Chastain, who's our kind of creative arts minister, does that, and it's always a blessing uh, to, to get to open through those. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and grab it. We'll be in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. We are starting a new sermon series. If you're new here, my name is Scott Brooks. I'm the lead pastor on the uh, preaching team. Super grateful to be here with you this morning. Uh, we are starting um, a new series, Beauty of the Church. I don't know what you think of when you hear the church. Uh, some people think facilities, you know, a place you go. Uh, but as these words were just written, um, if you're in Christ by the Spirit of God, we are the church. And, and, it, and it is beautiful. Uh, the, the, the church is a beautiful thing that we should behold and really we should walk in a manner worthy of, which we'll talk more about this morning. But the beauty of the church, this is been uh, on our hearts as pastors to do this series. Um, and the reason why is because the church is the cornerstone, which, where Jesus gathers exiles. That's what you are if you don't know. You're an exile um, that, that God brings into his, his family. This is a, what you can also say about the church. is a hospital for sinners. This is not people that have it all figured out. We're not holy rollers. We're people that have recognized our wounds, our sicknesses, our sins, and come to our, a hope uh, in Jesus Christ. So the, the idea is, man, every person is welcome here. Why? Because, because of the work of Jesus Christ. And then what happens, the beauty of the church, not only you come uh, as you come as six sinners, God binds us together, then sends us out as missionaries, ambassadors to the world to make uh, really the character of God known. This is your calling, which we'll talk about more this morning. Um, we are a divine institution that is beautiful. By God's grace, we're, it, it can be powerful and it's essential, hear me, it's essential for you to belong to a local body. Whether it's this church or another, another church, um, you, it's essential for your spiritual health uh, to belong to a, a local body. So this morning, we're going to look at Ephesians, like I said, chapter 4, 1 through 6. We're going to dive uh, deep into that. Uh, if you're keeping sermon notes, it is the beauty of belonging. That's the sermon titled, The Beauty of Belonging. And we're going to look at three Three words, calling, character, and confession. Calling, character, and confessions that helps us understand our belonging and the beautiful realities of it. So let's pick up uh, in verse 1, which is we're going to uh, look at the umbrella that Paul's writing to the Ephesian church, calling, I therefore, that's Paul, a prisoner for the Lord. So he talks about who he belongs to. We're not going to unpack prisoner here, but he belongs to the Lord. Urge you to walk in a manner, what, worthy of your calling, uh, to which you have been called. So a few things I want to point out, Paul is saying, hey, I belong to the Lord, and I want you to consider how you're walking. So this spiritual life is a trajectory. You should consider uh, <laughs> the trajectory of your life, and is it uh, in line with the calling that God's put on your life? There's a worthiness to our calling that God calls us into 
of belonging to Christ, belonging to the church. He uses the word calling twice. Now, this is important. If we're going to understand our belonging, not only to, to God, but to one another, we're going we're to have to understand the beautiful call that God puts on our lives. Um, I'm going to go back. Uh, it should just be on the, the same page in my Bible is, but Ephesians 1. It's, this has been just ministering to my, my mind, my heart, um, my life. I hope it does this to you as well, that God has called you. Uh, and our call is, is from, from God himself. And we serve, according to Scripture, a triune God. There's one God and three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And the whole Trinity is actively calling you to belong to him. Now, that's incredible truth. Now, uh, we'll pick up in chapter 1 of Ephesians, verse 1. And we're going to look at God the Father's calling on your life. And the, 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 the words I've written down here is, God wants you. God wants you. God wants you. How do we know that? Because he's called you. Verse 1 of chapter 1. Paul, an apostle. So Paul is now stating what he is. He's an apostle. He's, a, he's on mission for God. He's, apostle means sent on mission by God. So Paul has been sent on mission of Jesus Christ by what? The will of God. So why is Paul on mission for Jesus Christ? Because it's, it's God's will. That's, that's part of uh, God's desire for you. It's a it's, uh, desire for Paul. It's his purpose. To the saints who are in Ephesus, that's the church in the, the, uh, of Ephesus, are faithful in Christ Jesus. Listen, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's talking about the Father who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Listen, even as he chose us, so God, God's calling. He chose us in him. That's Christ. So God the Father chose us in Christ. When? Before the foundation of the world. Oh my goodness, I'll preach. When did God choose to set his love on you? Before he even created the world. We'll talk on why that matters so significantly here in a second. That we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for what? For adoption to himself as sons uh, through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his, what, his will. This is God's will for you. It's the call that he puts on the church. The beauty of belonging as it attributes to the Father is God's plan in Christ was to love you. So God loves you because he loves you. It says these words in here that you were chosen. That is particular uh, that, that, that is laser-like focus on you, not, not as, uh, only corporate, but you as a person. God, God so, so loves you uh, that he chose you. You're home, holy and blameless. That's also in Christ, but also that's a future reality because a lot of us are like, well, I'm not holy. I'm not blameless. I, I fall short a lot. I, I do a lot of things I don't like, right? There's a lot of areas that I, I'm not holy, but in Christ, you're holy. That's position. And the future realities of who you'll be according to the plan of God is what? Holy and blameless. That's our future. So I don't care what you're in right now, <laughs> what, what, what sin has got a hold of you in Christ, positionally, holy, blameless, and that is your future reality that, that Paul is speaking over you. Why? Because that's God the Father's plan for your life. Adoption. Those are, that's another word in there. That's a legal term. 
a legal term. When, when someone is adopted, you know, the, the, the name is changed. And for us, it's center to son and daughter. At one moment, and when you're adopted, that's your legal title that you belong to God, the Father. This is the plan that God had always, before time even began, to, to love you. So when you hear adoption, my kids mean so much to me. If you have kids, they mean so much to you. You look at them, what do you say? They're mine. They're mine. They're beloved. God looks, she says, you're the apple of my eye. All this means is you were never, listen, you were never an afterthought to God, ever. Before he created the world, forethought, they're going to be mine. That's an incredible truth. This is the plan of the Father. That's a calling that God's put on the church. And as he talks about a man or worthy of your calling, he's saying, man, the Father has always had a plan for you. Do you know that plan? Do you walk in the light of that plan? Now, what's beautiful, as I said, this is a triune act of calling. God the Father had this plan before the founder of the world to choose you, to, to consider you holy and blameless in Christ, to adopt you in Christ, to call you a new name. Uh, verse 7 of chapter 1, it says this, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in wisdom and insight. So not only did God the Father have the plan, Jesus Christ executed the plan. Jesus pursued. God became man and dwelt among us. The word became flesh. That's Jesus pursuing who? Us sinners. So this is incredible. God loves you because he loves you, and his love will never be removed from you if you're in Christ because it's not contingent upon you, but the work of Jesus Christ. So some of us, and, and I, this really spoke to me, on my good days, I still think this. God loves me more. It's a bad thought. It's not a biblical thought. But I think when I'm killing it, God's like, yes, you're mine. And when I'm not, it's like, yeah, you're not mine anymore. That's the reality that I walk in. Why? Because I don't look at the person and work of Jesus Christ rightly. Why am I redeemed? Because of the blood of Jesus Christ. The Father always says, mine. Do you hear the beautiful reality of that? The confidence that we can walk in by the blood of Jesus Christ, that's God's call on your life. Mine, by the work of Jesus Christ, costly grace, you've been bought. That's your calling. That's your calling. Now, it goes into not only does the Father had the plan, Jesus, man, willingly submitted to the Father's plan, executed the plan, even to death, death on a cross. Why? So we could be redeemed. Then he sends the Holy Spirit to speak this truth to you. This is part of your call. The Holy Spirit applies this truth to your life. In Ephesians 2, we're, uh, we're going to skip over to what the Holy Spirit does with the, the plan of the Father, the, the pursuit of Christ. The Holy Spirit applies, verse 8, for by grace, listen, by grace, grace is this idea that if you're in here, you don't deserve God's love. Just know that. In different ways, we have failed, right? But God loves us because of Christ. That's the grace of God. For by grace, you have been saved. How do we, how do we get that grace? Through faith. The way that we possess that position in Jesus Christ is by faith. Now listen, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift from God. So even the faith to believe is a gift from God, namely the Holy Spirit. 
to help you to behold the beauty of the work of Jesus Christ, not a result of work so that no man may boast. Now, the Holy Spirit speaks and brings this truth into your heart, into your life, that God the Father loves you because he loves you. He had a plan before time to save you, to choose you. You're the apple of his eye. The work of the cross is what merits his position and this love. The Holy Spirit says, this is true. This is true. Do you believe it is true? That is by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, I, you know, what's so interesting, your calling. It's such a big thing. God's saying, this is who you are. This is who you are. You've been called by name, paid for by name, and you belong to me. And the Holy Spirit brings that reality into your heart. One of my favorite movies is, growing up, I've watched it about 10 billion times. That, that's exaggerated a lot of times. The Lion King. Lion King, you're like, yeah, he takes bass and Lion King. If you were at the men's conference, that makes no sense. But I also like bass, and I like the Lion King. Now, with this, in this show, what's so interesting is, you know, you see this reality of Scar, Mufasa, and Simba. And, you know, Simba thinks he kills his dad, and he runs away. He, he, he has this line of Akuna Matata means no worries because he has this past. He has regrets. He's like, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know who I am. I'm going to go join, you know, um, the, the, the pig and the, whatever that little rodent is out, out in the, the desert. Akuna Matata. Then all of a sudden, in the middle of the movie, he's just trying to forget his past. He has failures and he meets the, the monkey. And the monkey goes, I know who you are. He goes, I know who, who you are. You're Mufasa's boy. And it's a really beautiful truth. We have forgotten who we are because of our past, because of our sin, because of our failures. And the spiritual battle is waging for your identity, your calling, who you are. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and goes, I know who you are. I know who you belong to. You belong to Jesus. Has that reality been true in your life? So you're not defined by your past. You're not defined by your sins. You're not defined by everything going around. He goes, you belong to me. You're you're God's son. Why? Because of Christ. That's the spirit of God calling you to him. Now, as you come to Christ, not only does he give you a new identity, but then he sends you, as he sends Paul, as an apostle, he sends you out. There's a purpose. So what I love as a coach, like, I love looking at people and seeing, man, this is who you are, right? Speaking truth over them, right? Looking at this potential, like, this is reality, and then helping them get to this reality is what God wants for you. God has this reality. This is who you are, and here's my purpose, my vision for your life, which is stated in Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship. This is part of your calling, that you are God's workmanship, that he's created you uniquely and beautifully and wonderfully. Created in Christ. This is new identity. For what good works would God prepare beforehand that you should walk in? God wants you to walk worthy of your calling. He says, I have a a vision of your life that you don't even understand. And we get to walk by faith, not by sight, honoring who God is and showing his his character to a world who desperately needs to understand who God is. And that brings us to um, verse verse 2. And I'll just read 1 and 2 together, Ephesians 4. Because you have this calling that Paul's referencing to. 
I therefore, what a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. This is what you've been called. Listen, now the character. This is what we get to display to, to the world, how we walk with all humility, gentleness, with patience, bear, listen, bearing with one another in love. That's our, that's our calling, and this is the character that we should display, not only to the world, but to the people that God's put us in relationship, namely the church, but to our families, to our work. We get to model the character of Christ. Now, I have to stop here because most people think Christians are about good conduct. And, and I, we should be above reproach and we should be pursuing holiness. I'm not against that. What it talks about here is not your conduct. It doesn't talk about your behavior. What does it talk about? It talks about your character. Now, that's interesting because you can judge me and I can judge you. Oh, I wouldn't have done this. I would have done this. It can be, it can be gray. It can be neutral but your character is clear and our character should display the glories of Jesus Christ. This is what the church unfortunately is not known for. Not the character of Christ, not humility, not gentleness, not loving. We're, we're known for arrogant and self-righteous, which is the opposite of Christianity. And I'll show you in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, I'm gonna read the list. You're like, well, these are bad people, but listen to, listen to the very end. But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, uh, unappeasable, slanderous, listen, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, my favorite, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasures rather than lovers of God. At this point, leave this up right here. Everyone's like, those aren't good people. Um, keep going back right there. Heartless, no, 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 I'm sorry. Yep, yep, one more. Right there, having the appearance of godliness. Here's my point. Until I read that list, everyone's like, these are the people not in church. What, what's being said here? These are the people in the church. They appear to have godliness by outward display, but their inward heart shows nothing of the character of Christ. To me, that's super interesting. That's super interesting. So do we measure our calling by our conduct, whatever we think that is? Or do we look at the inner disposition of Christ in us? Humility, gentleness, uh, patience, this is what we should display to one another and to the world, the character of Christ. The church has the ability to make the audible gospel, what I'm saying right here, visible. We can be mission champions of Christ as we bring humility and kindness and long-suffering into the nooks and crannies of the worlds that God's put us in. This is what God's called us to uh, for the work that he has for us. This should be true of us to some degree. I'm not saying we're perfect. We have, a, we have a saying, there are no perfect people, but in Christ, there is a disposition that's being worked in us. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but what Christ is now what? Living in me. The idea is the apple doesn't fall too far from what? The tree. But there's a reason for that saying. If you belong to Christ, you should what? Display Christ. When you say he's a chip off the old block, what are you saying? They resemble, man, who they're around, and that should be known for us. I'll read real quickly. 
This is what Paul prays for for this church and what he prays for our church. In Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 17, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be what? Strengthened with power, what? Through his spirit, where? In your inner being. He'd say, I hope they're really, 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 really good people. That's not what he says. He, he says, I hope that they grow in strength in their what? Inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. He's praying for the church to be rooted and grounded in love. That's the character of Christ. So our calling to Christ should reveal the character of Christ in us, namely that we should be at peace with one another and that we should bear one, another, uh, bear one another's burdens. Why? Because it's calling is that you belong to God. That's the whole idea. You belong to God in Christ by the Spirit of God. And now, listen, you belong to one another to help carry one another's burdens and to maintain the bond of peace. Now, what binds, these, what binds us together in here? What binds the church at large together through all times, all... Uh, <laughs> All all nations, what binds us together? It's not, hear me, it's not your politics. It's not your goodness. It's not your stance on COVID. It's not whatever the thing is. What binds us together? It's our confession that binds us together. All tribes, tongues, and nations, politics, views are bonded together, what? In Christ. See, the church has made something of the gospel that is not lately, and it's, 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 it's horrible. We belong to Christ. That's our confession. That's what binds us together. And this is what Paul is telling this church is that we belong to Christ through our confession. Another way you can look at it is your vows. This is what binds us together. This is our com- Christ's commitment to us and our commitment to him is what binds us together individually but also corporately. It's like, why, am, why is my wife and I married? It's not because we always get along. It's not because we always agree. It's not because anything. What binds us together is our vows that we took. Richer or poor, better and worse, I'm in. It's what binds us together. This is what he's saying about the church. Why are we bonded together? It's our confession. Uh, it says this. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and one Father of all who is over all and is through all. This is our, our confession. These are our vows. This is what we always try to renew our minds. This is, this is why we sing what we sing. This is why we preach what we preach. We're trying to, to come under the truths of Christ. Uh, this is very helpful to look at your confession. When I was like in third grade, I went to go watch Notre Dame play. It was so awesome. I got to meet some of the, uh, the, the players and go through the locker room. And as they walk out, if you've ever seen it, they say, play like a champion today. And as you go under, it doesn't matter what walk you're coming through. They're now binded as Notre Dame football team. They hit that thing. We're going to play like a champion today. Why? Because this is who we are. It binds them together. This is why we come. We belong to Christ together. We walk together. This is our cry. This is our confession. This is individually. I love the order. It says, Lord, faith, baptism. Have you confessed that Jesus Christ is your Lord? You can do that individually. You are a sinner. I am a sinner who needs grace. Have you confessed with your own mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord? That's faith. Then it says what? To be baptized. 
Baptism doesn't save you, but it's saying, man, this is my confession. I belong to Christ. I've been baptized. Individuals, this is what makes up a church. Then it, goes, then it goes into a plural idea that we belong to Christ because, man, we're all sinners who need Jesus. We believe in Jesus and we've been baptized saying, I'm dead to sin and new, uh, I'm walking in new life and I belong to him. And now, listen, we belong to Christ and we belong to one another. This is the church. <laughs> Again, I'm going to double emphasize this. If we all think like each other, act like each other, and, and, and have the same views, we are a country club. We're not the church. We have totally missed. We should have different thoughts, ideas, politics. You know, I said it, and you're like, oh, I'm going to get emails. We belong to Christ. We belong to Christ. You know what Jesus said? They'll know you by your love. They'll know you. How are they going to know? By your love and our unity. That's what we are. <laughs> one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's what you're called into. Now, I'm going to say something that's pretty, pretty true. Because we belong to God by a call. We need to walk worthy to the character of his calling. Why? Because of the, our vows that really Christ has made to us. This is our confession. Now, listen. <laughs> The, this, the, the campus here is a little bit in a honeymoon phase. I had one time as we started to plant in, in Capella, Louisville, probably about 10 years ago, I met with one pastor. He's like, you know what? You're going to start the, the church plant. Everyone's going to get along. Everyone's going to be unified. You just wait five years. It's all going to go. He's like, it's all going to fall apart. And, and I was like, maybe, maybe. And I, I would agree with this. Every church should end in a split. Every church should be so disunified. Every it, this should all unravel. The only way, the only way this works is that we're, we're bound together in Christ. Well, it's only a matter of time before we, we get on each other's nerves. It's, a, it's only a matter of time for someone crosses you how you don't want to be crossed. And sometimes it's really sin. It's not even a different view. It's like, man, they sinned against me. What do I do now? It's only a matter of time. Really, everyone should... But the good news, the good news of Christianity and the good news of the church is, man, we're bound together by grace. Every one of us should be in hell. But the good news is Jesus Christ came and died in our place so we could have life and be restored to God. See, the sacrificial love of Christ is what binds us not only to the Father, but what binds us to one another. It says this in Ephesians 4, verse 32, listen to the beauty of belonging, be kind to one another. Again, character of Christ. Be kind to one another. This is the character of God. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another. Why? Why? Because they deserve it? No. No one deserves it. As God in Christ forgave you. Why? Why do you? Why? Why are we tender-hearted? Why are we forgiving? Why are we going to help bear, run to someone when they sin against us? Why? Because that's exactly what Christ did for you. That's why. You are loved and known and pursued by God. And we are called to love and pursue and forgive one another. Why? So we can show the bond of peace, which is this text is about, that we show the bond of peace to display the character of God. Do you see the beauty of the church? There is nothing else like the church. Nothing else has this covenant love set upon us, predicated on Christ and Christ alone. Therefore, this is who we are. You didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. This is what we get. So when people, man, mess up, they fall short, what do we do? We love unconditionally. Why? Because that's how we've been unconditionally loved. Nothing works this way. 
But this is the beauty of the church. It's the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we get to show the world by how we love, listen, one another. How we love one another. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would help us respond as it says in the text by seeing seeing the call of the Father and the work of Christ and the beauty of the Spirit. There's one Lord. There's one faith, one baptism. God, I pray the Holy Spirit would bind our hearts to your great love for, uh, for us that you have for us, that we'd feel that forgiven, that we feel that, 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 that pardon, that we feel the truth that the Holy Spirit would just say, man, I know who you are. You may not know who you are, but you belong to God. And that we believe that we'd walk in that truth, that, that we'd be sent in that truth. God, I pray that you would mold the character of Christ in us and through us and around us as we behold the beauty of Christ. God, I pray that the door church would be known nothing. We'd be known for nothing but except, man, we are Jesus people. Grace exalting, pursuing men, women, and children of others, how God has pursued us. Help us be a church on mission because God, you're a God on mission. Help us as we sing, understand these are, these, this is our confession. We're, we're singing and articulating our confession and I pray that you bring our hearts and our lives in line with that. God, I ask that you move. I ask that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.